0: So, and answer this. Are you telling me if somebody was wearing a certified gas mask that would stop, that's certified to keep the coronavirus in and gloves, you're telling me that that isn't sufficient to prevent somebody from getting COVID to lower the risk? I have
1: no idea whether it's sufficient or not, right? Um, Here's my policy on these things, right? The medical industry doesn't write any JavaScript and I don't save millions of lives and that works (laughs) out fine. friends and enemies. Welcome back to Bad Voltage Series 3, Episode 31. It is the 22nd of June as we record this, 2021. I'm Stuart Langridge and I'm here with John Bacon and Jeremy Garcia. Hello, chaps. How are you today?
2: Yeah, doing
0: well. Living the dream. It was nice to have a little break off from the old Bad Voltage for that episode. Yeah.
1: Uh, is that is that the dream? Well, it's always nice to not spend time with you two. <laughs> we, 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 we appreciate this. I'm, I'm making a note. Just jumping right in.
0: <laughs> I, I am, of course, joking. I missed both of you quite dearly. Um, and I, I think the only reason why we do this is so we can have an excuse to chat to each other every, every week. <laughs> is anyone listening out there? Oh, well. What should we do today? What should we, what, what should we talk
1: about? Should we do some news? There are various subjects. Our list of things that we want to talk about, which are going to take a whole show, is steadily building. Um, yes. Yeah. But also, the document fills up with news, and load seems to be happening at the moment for whatever reason. So, yeah, I feel like um what you might call a clear out <laughs> is is indicated. A good clear out. Yes. Um, How very Northern England of well, you. <laughs> well, this is precisely my thought. I've got the flat cap. I've got the time for a good clear out. And. <laughs>
0: Push a bike up a hill. <laughs>
1: so, um, I know. I'll buy Hovey's bread. So give me some news, John O'Bacon.
0: All right. Well, why do we start out with this incredible story of the FBI um running a um a honeypot operation and basically there've been an enormous amount of arrests all over the world. So for people who haven't heard of this um so there's there's an app called or there was an app called anon uh which was a privacy designed app um and what i didn't know about this story is that um some company made and i'm sure jeremy's gonna be able to fill in all the blanks that i'm leaving here some company made a privacy focused phone that that was really intended for uh drug cartels and criminals to use um and the the guy who founded this company as far as i'm aware basically rolled over Um, when he'd, he admitted publicly that this thing was a privacy, that this thing was a, um, was really designed for drug dealers and drug cartels. And then what happened is a new privacy focused phone was released with this app called Anon that the FBI was running in the background and they captured all kinds of conversations about, um, about drug movements and hit jobs and, all kinds of stuff. And then there was a huge amount of arrests all over the world that kind of took these people in. And it's, it's like something out of a movie. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's a really remarkable story. And the idea, can you imagine how pissed off the criminals must be when they found out? Wow. So yeah. What did you guys think about this? Uh, this
1: is an illustrative um lesson about cypherpunk type people have for years and years and years been saying, No, 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 we need to make sure of um ways of ensuring that uh, even if the government are quietly operating your thing, you can still talk freely and always kind of think everyone's like, Yeah, but that's all very theoretical. And like, no, turns out it isn't. I mean, literally every cryptology, um, cryptography textbook for the next hundred years is going to point at this and say, this is what you're guarding against.
2: The the whole thing is fascinating because it was originally meant to be really for criminals by a criminal. And then he got caught, like you said, rolled over, basically gave up the encryption key and kept running it. But the whole thing seems to have basically hinged on one person in Australia who they convinced it was real. And then he started giving them out. And mass or convincing other people to buy them. But the whole concept of the phone seems weird because it couldn't make calls. It couldn't send emails. It only had like a calculator app that if you typed in a certain code, it got into yeah, this encrypted, in the code. encrypted yeah. messaging app, which I would think the whole thing you want if you're a criminal and I, let me start this off by saying as someone who isn't uh, a criminal full-time, uh, I would think you want plausible <laughs> deniability. So when the phone takes your phone, there's not just a calendar or just a calculator app, which seems like yep. an aberrant phone to carry. Uh, I, I so mean, the, the whole story seems very it oddly cloak and dagger and like only – you can yeah. only get this criminal phone from other criminals and you need like two verifications and whatever – uh the the whole thing is like out of a movie. It was
0: interesting. There was a lot of phones as well. There was like wasn't it like fifteen hundred, seventeen hundred phones, something like that, were put out there. And one of the Quite major few, features yeah. that I read was that um you could remotely wipe these phones. So a lot of people when they'd get busted by the police, they'd pick this phone up and it'd be it'd be wiped. Like the the original phone. But it that seems guy like such who. a
2: rich target, even if this didn't end up happening to be a honeypot, it seems like the best thing you could do would be buy a pixel. Randomly from a store with cash and then install a secure app that you ideally is verified or you could audit the code not uh, because then you're just amongst the sea of noise uh, not specifically targeted platform.
1: I think the determination that people would have made before this was to say, but what happens is the busy show up to Google and say, tell us what this person's account is, and Google go, okay, here's the details. Whereas if we get something specifically dedicated to this, there's no way they're going to cooperate with the police. Now it turns out that was wrong, and now they know it was wrong, and they have luxury to think about that from Alcatraz. But before that, (laughs) I can see how someone might have made that determination a bit different.
2: Uh, the, the other thing that I saw out of this that's interesting that's not directly related, but in a way is, is the drug cartels in Mexico are now starting to set up their own cell networks, completely separate from any cell network, so that they can't be intercepted.
1: I'm in favor of this just because then when people talk about the dark net, they're actually talking about something different rather than just dot .onion sites. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the the big question to me is um if you're a criminal mastermind which of course the three of us are not what happens now like you know people were using um these kind of end-to-end encrypted apps like signal and anon in this case um and if 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 there's a risk of getting busted there how how else are you going to communicate right because i imagine if you're running a drug cartel um, You could be worried that anything that you're using – and you've got to communicate regularly. I'm curious what's going to be the next – is it carrier pigeon? Like, what's next for criminals? Like, how do they communicate?
2: Or if you were an ANOM user, do you now think, like, I have to go to the next criminal-only network? Or do you try to just use uh, something else a, – a, a traditional – Incri- yeah, yeah. I mean, i'm curious of, where users go from this
1: well this is um not really something we can really ask the bad voltage community although if any of you are criminal masterminds and want to tell us that you're now using gpg
2: encrypted email <laughs> feel we're free curious to send what product market fit looks like here <laughs>
1: um but yeah I, I i don't know but i don't know what they were doing before either i mean i would have thought just encrypt emails jeremy your point about how the very fact that you're using this stuff looks suspicious, is kind of true in itself. But having a criminal-only phone in your pocket is probably more indicative of that. And right, you know, I, I don't know. Does the phone have those black and white stripes on, the word "swag" written on the back, or something? <laughs> it's like here's my phone with this special case with arrows drawn on. But it's
2: <laughs> just has a label yeah. that says "not for crime." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very interesting. All right, what's next? Um, Did you see that, and this doesn't impact me directly... Well, I guess it does. I was to say FaceTime is coming to the web, but it's also coming to Android and Windows uh, because it's turning into a web app.
1: I I did see this, and...
2: I, I assume, Stuart, you have opinions here.
1: Well, I mean, I'm surprised. The pitch from The Verge seems to be very much they're positioning it as a Zoom replacement and so on. But... I don't understand, not why Apple would care about this, but why they've started caring now and they didn't care before. Because they've very much always before been, well, yeah, FaceTime, if you're not buying our products, you don't get it. Sucks to be you, I guess. Much like literally everything else they do.
2: I think there's an easy answer there. If you had to pick one of their apps that people cared about, but not it wasn't the lock-in, I think it would be FaceTime, because there are so many alternatives. And if they want to make an argument against all the anti-monopolistic red, uh, regulation that's being talked about right now, making this announcement now seems nearly perfectly timed. No. And it's on the web. It's not an app. So it won't be good on Android. It'll be just painful enough that people still don't want to use it. But they can say, what do you mean monopolistic? We just released FaceTime on, uh, across the entire web
1: now there are yeah. there are a whole bunch of people who would um dislike that particular environment. and i thought about it but in my head it seems too rosy to me because if threatening people with regulation threatening large tech companies with regulation because they're being monopolistic causes them to diversify and make things available on the web or as open protocols or whatever then it's working that's what's supposed to happen that's really good if that's the <laughs> case <laughs> it's, it's, it's not i, mean, I was right. saying that it
2: was a Bad thing. I just, I think if you are four years, people kind of talked about regulating some of these things, but I don't know that anyone ever thought it would actually happen. Where yeah, now I think I there, some people think like, oh boy, this might happen. We need to get ahead of this so that at least we can control some of the narrative and maybe there will be some broad changes, but nothing that deeply yeah. impacts us if you're Facebook or Google or Apple. So I think now companies are starting to do things like this. So that when they're in front of Congress next time, they have a narrative to weave that doesn't sound like we are terrible, monopolistic people. Because that's not a good narrative.
1: No. And we're now seeing all sorts of places. I mean, the uh, the UK uh, Competition and Markets Authority has just announced a detailed probe into um Google and Apple and uh, both developers and um users on the platforms and the US have been talking about it and Germany's doing something and the EU have made noise about it and everything. And we may now be getting to a point where it's hard to get governments moving on this sort of thing, but once they've started moving on it, it's hard to get them to stop so yeah. the idea that all the government's just going to go, wow, turns out you're okay. So we'll just stop doing this investigation seems unlikely to me. So maybe it's now definitely coming.
0: Maybe rose tinted. Related <laughs> but unrelated note, which is makes no sense whatsoever. Um, I was thinking recently about, about Apple. Um, and this is going to sound like a joke, but I'm being deadly serious, okay? <laughs> I now so, cannot wait. Years ago when we were building the Ubuntu phone. And there were so many cool things that were going on in building the Ubuntu phone. All these great ideas about scopes and convergence and all this kind of stuff. And years ago, when we were building the Ubuntu desktop, and we were, as Mr. Language was directly involved in, building Ubuntu 1 and all of these different features that would plug into it, right? And one of the things that I found... Both satisfying and infuriating about becoming an iPhone and Mac user, and it really only happened when I became an iPhone user, is that I think one of the most killer features about the Apple ecosystem is AirDrop. If we had focused on making it easy for people to just do the equivalent of an AirDrop between a phone and a Linux desktop years ago, it would have changed the game. And and you know, all my family who've been using Apple phones forever would say, "Oh, AirDrop's amazing." I was like. Who cares? It's just, <laughs> you're just transferring files from one thing to another, but airdropping photos and videos and whatever else, it, it's just like, I wish we'd focused less back then on... The HUD and convergence and all these different really advanced kind of features, and just focused on the
2: basics, and I think that would have moved the needle. So, I mean, the, by the basics, you mean the texting app actually working or is getting phone calls well, that, with that, regular that, that too? <laughs> uh, so, I guess I'm curious, as, as someone who doesn't have an iPhone and, and hasn't for since the first one, uh, what do you find so compelling about the iPhone that isn't in the Andro- isn't available, say, in the Android ecosystem?
0: I think the thing that you, part of the reason why I'm using airdrop as an example is it's not a standout sexy feature, right? It's a very uninteresting mechanical function, but it's there when you need it, right? So like, you know, you go out, now we're kind of opening up more, you go out and have lunch with some family members or some friends, and then someone takes a bunch of bunch of pictures and somebody says, hey, could you send me the pictures, Right. They can just airdrop them over. Um, and it's just l- little features like that. I think make a difference. I mean, a good, an Android, to be very clear. Android has got loads of these kinds of features as well. This is no dig on Android. My point is, is that I think that we got a little bit blindsided by sexy, exciting stuff with the Linux desktop phone kind of ecosystem thing. And I wish we just focused on the basics. Um, you know, that's it really.
1: I don't, I don't know if anyone's going out and buying. A MacBook and an iPhone purely to get airdrop they're useful once no, you're, of course not. You, they're useful once you're already in but they don't attract new customers to your platform and yeah. no one was running both an ubuntu phone and an Ubuntu laptop so mm. if so if we made the Air- yep. airdrop the brilliant experience in between those two things, literally only people who already owned the phone would have experienced
0: I it. would argue that everybody who was running the ubuntu phone was running an ubuntu yeah
1: yeah absolutely but that's exactly the point so you'd have a brilliant ecosystem for people who are in it but there have been points in the past at which we've all thought that we had a brilliant ecosystem and have failed to convince anybody else yeah
0: it's um it just you know like the unix philosophy was always make lots of small things that do one thing really well um and that to me AirDrop is a good example of that. Like it's just a simple, very focused. It it doesn't it's not like a window with a billion buttons on it. It's just you drag something into your into AirDrop and boom, you're done. And I just feel like my my big hope is the elementary team. Like they do such great work and I'd like to think that they'll build things like that. Anyway. That aside, should we um why do we why do we uh, talk about Jeff Bezos? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> Do you want to go first, eh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um uh, <laughs> is this a Jeff Bezos special feature? There seems to have been a lot of news about him. I mean, the first thing that um uh, came up that attracted me is that, you know, here we have a bald guy who's very, very rich. His company makes a linux based OS, and apparently now he's going into space. And I thought, <laughs> I've heard this story before. I'm sure I have. But in this particular case, <laughs> it's about Jeff Bezos. <laughs>
2: I was going to say, who would have thought when you said that sentence originally, not that long into the future, it would happen again?
1: It would be it, right. it would be a second one entirely, yes. <laughs> right. Deja be, vu um, all over again. He will be um, one of the first people flying on the first passenger flight of Blue Origin, apparently, which is mm. July the 20th. Sorry, just they, have to look I, up I date. believe
2: they haven't announced the last winner yet. Was it one of you two that spent the... Um. Whatever it was, $28 million to, to go might, into space. Might, might have been John. In fact, I, not me. <laughs> I,
1: could no. I could tell you it wasn't me. I could tell you it wasn't me.
0: I stood on a stool the other day and, and I was got a nosebleed, so it's not me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, it's. I don't know what else to say about this. You know, I mean, he's um the HMS Gilded Age or whatever the spaceship's called is, is taking off and taking him and a bunch of other people with millions of dollars to space. Well done. This seems like a valuable use of money and time. All right. <laughs>
2: Speaking of valuable uses of money, have you seen this petition on, on change.org? Which petition? Which petition is that? So also related to, to Jeff Bezos. Uh, we want Jeff Bezos to buy and eat the Mona Lisa. And the entire, the entire description is, nobody has eaten the Mona Lisa. And we feel Jeff Bezos needs to take a stand and make this happen. It's just so I opened the, the petition about four minutes ago. Almost 100 people have signed it just in that four minutes. It's up to almost 13,000
1: signatures. That's I mean, that's not the only one. Jono, tell them about the other petition.
0: There is, in fact, a second petition on Change.org, uh, and this is the and this goes back to our story of Jeff Bezos blasting into space, and the petition is to not allow Jeff Bezos to return to Earth. So <laughs> when I when I looked this up yesterday, it had about sixty thousand signa- signatures, and now it's at eighty four thousand.
2: Yeah. So I- they want him to stay in space more than they want him to eat the Mona Lisa. <laughs>
1: I, I the, the 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 thing which amazed me is no one knows how much the Mona Lisa's worth, obviously. Um, but i I'll obviously whatever you pay will distort the world market in art or whatever. But you had someone saying it was worth, um, 50 billion euros or something like that, which seems like a lot yeah. of money to me. <laughs> um, it does seem like quite a bit. And money, then yeah. the article goes on to point out that, yeah, you know, that's about one fifth of Bezos's money. Yeah. <laughs> Wow!
2: (laughs) I'm going to go sign the petition. (laughs) One of the comments: This is the most important petition in modern times.
1: (laughs) I, I mean, I honestly don't know whether I support this or not. I mean, you're supposed to go. Oh no, it's a joke, hard music. But I'm like, maybe. And obviously, you know, people a hundred years in the future will go, but they just got a rich bloke to destroy this work of art. You're like, yeah, it's called NFTs. Yeah, <laughs> that's literally what an NFT is, right? Not literally.
0: It is a moral conundrum, because on one hand, we should probably keep the Mona Lisa for generations to enjoy it. But on the other hand, seeing Jeff Bezos with a plastic bib on, shoveling that thing down, would be amazing to watch. Um, so... I and mean, we we can take a picture of the Mona Lisa, it'd be fine.
1: <laughs> I um I read the thing once 'cause um after I uh, have you seen the Mona Lisa. The actual one in the in the in, in the, the flesh or whatever, yes, in the loop. Yeah. Um uh, it's remarkably small. I just remember going well, in and
2: thinking, wow, the Mona Lisa's gonna be great. And you look in on the wall and yeah, like, is this that is a postage stamp well, of
1: well, the Mona Lisa. Where's the actual Mona Lisa? This was kind of my thought. I saw it and I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't seem that good. And it's a lot darker than I thought it was gonna be. And it's a lot smaller than I thought it was gonna be. It's a lot further away from me than I thought it was gonna be. And you've got yes. like <laughs> winged victory about 25 yards away at the top of the stairs, which is way cooler. What was but whatever, you know. and. Yeah. I yeah. came away from it feeling a bit let down by having seen the most famous work of art in the history of the universe. And then I read something from some French philosophers. So this is from years and years ago. And they said, um, uh, something along the lines of when you stand in front of the Mona Lisa, it is you, not she, who is being judged. And I went, huh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Oh, that is. I was I was quite impressed. Whereas, um, our resident not interested in philosophy correspondent, not so say much. Quite philosophical that for bad voltage.
0: What a what a
1: fucking hipster thing to
0: say. <laughs> Some philosopher with a with a ironic moustache and a vinyl bag is saying that. Like, no. Oh come on! Uh, okay, uh, I, I quite okay. liked by it
1: voltaire what's our next piece of news <laughs> <laughs> to
0: be fair i just signed the petition <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right what should we what should we do next uh hang on let's look through the list uh did you see that uh it's either hyundai or hyundai uh i don't know everyone pronounces it differently they've acquired
2: boston dynamics the people who make those robot dogs they have um this would. This took about six or seven months to close because when you put it in the uh, doc, I thought I swear I read that in late 2020, and I had, but it did right. just close yesterday. It's amazing.
0: I mean, because to my knowledge, and I don't know a lot about Boston Dynamics beyond watching their their, their videos are pretty cool. Uh, they seem to primarily make, uh, you know, these robots for the military and the police and things like that. Um, so I'm I'm wondering whether. Hyundai are trying to get into that market or whether they're planning on making these as more consumer-focused? Because they do have, Boston Dynamics do have one of those dogs that I think is for construction sites, oh, if I remember, well,
1: right? Well, this is kind of my question. Boston Dynamics have been in the news for years and years and years. I remember seeing Big Dog or whatever it's called. What, well, Google them and 10, the Bottom? and 15 years ago, they've, yeah. They've, they've been Google around, yeah. 2013. Been around a long time. So, they seem to be quite good at getting press coverage. But, what have they actually done? I mean, when you say, yeah, they're making these things for for police services and the military or whatever, are they actually, though? I mean, they had some in New York, I think, but it seemed very much, you know, we're doing this as a trial program and then they were stupid and they stopped using them five minutes later. I don't think anyone's actually doing this for real, are they? I don't know at what point they go from, hey, we're doing a bunch of interesting research here to we've actually made useful products for actual people to buy. And why do people keep thinking this is worth dropping a billion dollars on?
2: They, so, and this is my take, and I will say I don't follow them super closely, but I I did look into it very slightly when, when Google bought them just out of curiosity. They seem to me like a company genuinely only interested in that super aspirational R and D piece. They don't want to make super pragmatic, traditional robots for automation that would make them a multi-billion dollar organization. They want to, they're like moonshot only. So they could make something for with wheels that uh, in manufacturing would help automate a thing that's easily automatable, and they're wholly uninterested in it. They want to yeah. make the dog walk in interesting ways and push it over and do all the things that a lot of people think aren't possible or, or aren't possible on in the near term. So I, yeah. I think it's more that's how the company's built. Like they want to do the cool R and D and actively not lose focus on that by making money on things that companies want to buy in twenty twenty one. And they were funded by DARPA. A chunk of it was funded by yes. DARPA, Well, well right? so,
1: exactly my thought here is that this is basically what universities are for, right? To do research with no necessary commercial end in mind with the intention that other people might decide to take that and make companies out of it or whatever. Right. Where I mean, where's their money coming from? I, I mean, I'm all in favor of the idea of companies doing R&D with no necessary product aim because then the – product tail isn't wagging the heart oh, the dog uh, but uh, well done <laughs> but it was wow. it, it wasn't it was intentional. i just saw that sentence coming over the horizon but not in enough time to avoid it but <laughs> um but seriously i don't understand how they get to exist how do i get to run a company which just does this i mean in a modern day evaluation
2: of uh, they, they were valued at just under a billion dollars is so low that that's like 20 percent of clubhouse
1: I, I, yeah, but I, I don't think that's because they're worth low money. I think it's because um, the whole of the tech world is massively overvalued.
0: So they, it says here on Crunchbase they raised $37 million in total. Um, and that was back in two, February 2019. And they've been around for years, right? I mean, they were bought so I'm by Google in
1: 2013. I think they've been around five or six years right. at that point.
0: That's a good point. I bet you anything. It was primarily military funded. I bet it was military funded, and and I think they came out of MIT, if I remember right, as well. So maybe there was some funding from MIT. I
1: I find it. I find it hard to imagine. There's a company called Boston Dynamics who have something to do with MIT,
0: (laughs) right? Bastard. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're a very they're a very interesting company, uh, and I'm curious to see what's next uh, for them with hyundai like i mean maybe we're going to finally get some kind of suv transformer type thing
2: <laughs> that's gonna cut stomping through the streets of they were spun out of mit in
1: 1992 wow 92 okay that- they're even yeah. uh, even older than i thought they were um yeah. but yeah wow. they're, they're um hyundai seem to want to really get into this stuff they they put a whole bunch of capital into robotics stuff um but yeah Jeremy, like you say um that they appear to be the research arm. You know, it's like a whole company yeah. being your skunk works.
0: <laughs> yeah. Was it Was it Hyundai who did that That robot that kind of humanoid style, that white humanoid no, that style robot that everybody, that was, was Honda. It was Honda, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool.
1: It was pretty cool. Um, so, although that was cool like 10 years ago. Yeah, more, more than that, <laughs> I think, yeah. Um, but, yeah and and so. again, this sort of thing looks good in demos, but in the 10 years in the interim, we haven't gone from – the way people talk it up is, look, you've got this robot that can walk downstairs and serve people, uh, you know, serve Conan O'Brien on stage or whatever. Great, well done, congratulations. Yeah. But the sort of the the unspoken pitches: 15 years from now, one of these will be walking your kids to school, and none of that has happened.
0: No. No, and we haven't seen the weaponized death Roomba as well, which is probably going to happen at some point. <laughs> so I
1: think you'd be watching too much Robot Wars.
0: <laughs> Title of the show,
1: Weaponized Death Roomba. I'm literally yeah. writing it down <laughs> as we
0: speak. <laughs> the good people at Roomba, or I robot or whatever, are going to be very happy about this. Um, Finally, they're going to get some major press recognition. Uh, Well,
1: yeah, because what they need is the bad voltage, you know, ratings bump. Um, (laughs) 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 Right, next item of Uh, news. What's next? Uh, Next is uh, the OnlyFans people are apparently moving to, well, uh, it says more non-adult content. I didn't realise there was any non-adult content on it before, but they seem to be Attempting to change their pitch, which, as far as I can tell, is them going, okay, um, thanks, sex workers, you made us popular, now screw you, because we want to get some of that mad advertising dollar. You can all get stuff now. And everyone seems quite cross about it, you know, with a certain amount of justification. (laughs) Does it mean that, uh, what is the correct
0: terminology for people who take their clothes off on the internet? Sex workers seems like... That is referring to prostitutes. Um, I'm not sure what you is models. I mean, guess is probably the best way to describe it. All cool. um, sex work, man. Adult models, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So many jokes I'm not going to say right now about my own sex life. Uh, <laughs> so uh, are they? Are they mad? People who are like adult models on on
1: OnlyFans mad about this? The impression I have is that the OnlyFans people. See- seem to be saying yeah we're just nah you know you don't get to do it anymore you're you're no longer going to be the point and we're going to start um pushing away that side of our business now that we've got to the point where we're a big deal because we're worth a billion dollars (laughs) and that i think is the thing that um they're throwing their existing community overboard
0: how are they doing that though How are they throwing them overboard?
1: By saying, okay, we built this platform that you are now using and have built a career on, and now you just don't get to use it anymore.
0: But are they saying to these adult models that you can't use OnlyFans anymore? Are they kicking them off the platform?
1: The impression I have, and I don't know the detail of this, but they've said things like we want to focus on becoming more mainstream and move away from adult content. Because what we want is celebrities to be using it, not sex workers. Now, I don't know whether we want to move away from this means we're turning it off. Right. Or we're just going to downplay it or whatever. But equally, I mean, if you're a YouTuber and YouTube decided, yeah, we're not going to do gamers anymore. It materially impacts your income. You've built on a platform. Who have now decided to stop you using it. Now they've got popular enough they don't need you
2: anymore. Platforms built on a thing that changed the thing typically do not work out well. I'm trying to think of one that successfully pivoted and I none strike me off the top of my head.
1: Um mm, uh, good the question. The, pe- the people who became Docker. I mean, this is different because it's mm. not a me- it's not a media platform, but Docker right. Cloud or whatever the they were media. called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can't think of a media example. But there aren't that many I mean, Platforms. Netflix
0: moved from DVD to online, but that doesn't really – it's not the same, is it? Um, yeah, yeah but point, they, they
1: started off as a reseller of other people's films, and they continue being a reseller of other people's films. Fact of other that, yeah. people's films, yeah. <laughs> um, if they pivoted to only doing Netflix originals, then that would be an example of this working. But what would happen is they wouldn't work, which is why they haven't done it. So, <laughs> You could argue
0: that WordPress moved away from pure blogging to being a general CMS platform.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. I need reach, but okay, I'll get I-, I mean, it was the darling of
0: the of the blogging world. Uh, you know, I know Ak, you're going to you're going to get into what was that? What was that thing that you used not pie blocks and the thing that you,
1: Oh, wow, wow. pie blocks and there's a word from the past and no mistake. So, do you
2: <laughs> do you not like
1: WordPress, Ak? Yeah, I don't mind it.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it's not a ringing endorsement. We got to get Mullenweg on here, and
1: it's it's yeah, twenty five thirty percent of the web, which is a phenomenal thing for an open it source product.
2: Astonishing account, open
1: source product, and I'm super duper happy about that. And what disappoints me about this is well off topic now, but what disappoints me about WordPress is that they largely have come up with a scheme, but most of the people making plugins go, you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw away all that UI and replace it with something else, which means that you can't get anything to integrate. Properly. You can't say, I'm going to use this thing from these WordPress plugin people and this different thing from these different people and have them fit together. Because are you talking about in the front end or in the back end? The, the, the back end, the editing thing. So, um, a lot right. of places that, um, uh, provide you a, a, an article writing thing or some kind of CMS notion aren't actually building new features into WordPress's CMS. They're essentially replacing WordPress's CMS with theirs. And then just using WordPress's storage backend, which means that half your existing plugins don't integrate properly with it because they're not doing it the WordPress way. And it annoys.
2: You'd like it to be more opinionated and offer less flexibility in its plugin system?
1: No, no, no. I, I think WordPress does a good job of being flexible. I would like them to start saying to people who build on the platform but don't build with the platform, stop doing this.
0: But isn't it just a different UI inside of the no, so you know, no when that's, you've got-
1: that's exactly the point. If what they were doing was creating things which are which is exactly like WordPress, then yeah, I'd buy that. But it's not just a different UI. They're changing. So
0: you'd be how- okay with a different UI yeah, 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 that yeah. doesn't match the, the inside so long as it's inside of the WordPress. Uh, uh, I haven't uh, seen a single plugin that's doing that. Every everything that I'm using, and I use a lot of plugins on my site, is all in the back end. But all the UI within the back end looks quite different. I'm. So it doesn't look consistent, but it's part of the back end. If you oh, say this is my experience,
1: but yeah, anyway, right? Not how yeah. we really got into this, but yeah. Um, Let's talk about WordPress for the next three hours. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Bad Voltage WordPress podcast. Um, I mean, we are we, we are using WordPress for our website.
0: Yeah, we are. I, I yeah. I, I, I uh, one final WordPress comment, and then we'll move on. But. Um, Again I was thinking about thinking about this the other day like I started using WordPress I built my own crappy content management system years ago moved to WordPress after Ack was like stop trying to build your own thing use <laughs> a different system yeah. which was good advice and it's amazing how well that has served me over the years as my needs for my website have become increasingly more complicated and I do love the fact that you can you can do all kinds of stuff with WordPress you can set up a store yep. you can or in a blog, whatever. Yeah, so
1: I, I mean, I... Open source wins. I recommend it to a whole bunch of people precisely because 30% of the internet uses it. So there's lots of knowledge about out there about how yeah. to make changes and how to fix it, and it's not going to go away. And lots of little businesses, like little companies who are selling plugins
0: that do yeah. one job really well. I love that. Like, it's $60 and, you know, and... Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens with OnlyFans. I mean, I'm curious to see whether... Yeah, what that relationship will be with their existing adult content. Like if they continue to do the adult content and there's essentially a separate bit of OnlyFans designed for adults where you can still go and find it. Yeah, I'd hope that they'll do it I that, mean, yeah, what knows? they're
1: talking about, you know, they're saying well, they want to turn into a platform where celebrities and athletes can connect with fans. And that, I mean, if that were me and I were currently making my living selling on that platform, that would feel a great deal like they weren't interested in me because now they get to talk yeah. famous people i'd feel quite betrayed by that
0: yeah so we're almost certainly going to see you know only porn come out at some point Presumably. <laughs> an, an
1: alternative um, I, I don't know how long only fans has been around or why it became the thing and whether there's lots of other uh players in the same market who just didn't take off but I don't know. um no maybe idea. maybe if there are, um someone will pick that up or something. But it seems a shame that for the first time we were maybe getting to the point where people could say things like, you know, people would know the name of OnlyFans and could say it in public. <laughs> yeah. And now, you know, just shoving this stuff back under the bed is kind of oh no, here's another grubby site you don't want to go looking at seems yeah. seems a um a missed opportunity.
0: Yes. Well, and it was nice as well that, you know, these especially these adult actresses, uh could build their own little businesses around it, as opposed to being at the whim of these movie producers, right? Exactly totally the idea, you know. Mm-hmm. Love that. I mean um, so I I suspect we will see the same thing in a different clothing uh, in some other site at some point soon. Where uh Ack can continue to go and get his unique brand of <laughs> balloon
2: pornography. So uh <laughs>
1: Okay. <laughs> I don't
2: even know how to segue from that.
1: No. Um, so uh, let's talk about Airbus.
2: Uh, On to our next segment about Ghost. Uh,
1: so um, did you see the thing about the um, Airbus's quarantine tent?
2: Uh, yes. <laughs> Not until you put it in the dock, and I hope I never, ever, under any circumstance, see it in real life. Right.
1: Explain what it is. So an explanation for this is um, – Uh, Some people at Airbus seem to be terribly worried about what happens if um, you're on a flight and then during the flight, someone starts showing uh, evidence of COVID symptoms. What would that mean? So they have um, thrown a great deal of um, engineering resource and time and talent at this and have come up with basically they've made. Something that looks like a TARDIS, but it's a tent, which they can just put you in for the duration of the flight. Something that looks like a TARDIS. It does. That's what it looks uh, like. (laughs) uh, uh, Less Less
2: spacious inside, from what I understand. (laughs) 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 I I would like to never see one of these on a flight that I am on.
1: uh, It's literally described as Airbus Design's in-flight COVID quarantine tent which is the worst. And also- the It pic- just
2: walls off one row too. And the odd part is the description says, it will, as I just said, wall off one entire row. But then the picture only walls off two of the three seats two in the seats. row. Yeah. So yeah. I am fascinated to know which one of those two is correct, the picture or the description.
1: Well, the other- Or if they don't know how it works- even better I've, i and mean, I also think it's entirely possible that um I would be happy to travel next to this tent, looking at the picture on c n n travel precisely because it's got like two and a half feet of leg room, so I don't know which pet plane this is a picture of, but it's not any plane that I've been on in the last ten years. <laughs> it if this is only available for bombardier jets well, I, I, I i did wonder whether it was going to be okay you, you get you get that you get the glamping version of the tent if you're in business class right let's <laughs> <good. laughs> <laughs> it's got an espresso machine on the inside of it. The economy, the tent has no windows, it's it's not good. Yeah, you know, they've uh, they, and then for every everyone in, you know, uh, cattle class like me, they just go, okay, we've just got a VW microbus parked in the hold and you have to sit in the boot or something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so what I, I, I have two thoughts on this. One is it does not seem to cover a single seat, right? Yeah. So what if you're on a fully booked flight, you're – you know, two hours into an international flight, for example, someone starts coughing up a lung and they're like, get the Airbus tent out. Does that mean that the two people next
2: to them are stuck
1: inside the tent with them? (laughs) Because that's not great.
2: You belong Um, to Airbus now.
1: No, I I think the picture they're showing you is of the two-man tent. There's a single-man tent, (laughs) which is different.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The the other thing as well is why wouldn't they just... Uh, if you go, if 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 they want to solve this problem, why wouldn't they just put a respirator, like a Breaking Bad kind of like meth making respirator, on the individual and put some gloves on them, so they're not going to touch anything, and then they're they've got a respirator on and they can't. Why
2: why aren't well, they doing I that? Mean, I mean, and then they can just that sit in their seems seat. so much simpler.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 thank you, Doctor Fauci. Um, I I think uh, uh, answering, your, answering your first question, um, I think the big problem that you've got here is the reason the tent exists, as I understand it, is because the big problem is not necessarily isolating someone. It's that you're supposed to stay two meters away from them, which is hard to do when you are, by definition, two millimeters away from another 31 people when you're on a plane. So the point of the tent covering up a couple of seats is I think there's you in the tent and an empty chair. So if it's actually a full tent, then a full plane, then I don't know what happens. Um, yeah, but you
0: can. Uh, you don't need to be six feet away from people if you've got a respirator and gloves well, on. I mean, on the one hand, I, I mean that
1: sounds plausible to me, Doctor Jono, medicine woman. But I'm not sure I actually trust <laughs> you to get this stuff right. So I'm assuming they thought it's, about it's, this. It's, it's just not
0: a complicated viewpoint, right? Why do we stay six feet away from people? It's in case somebody droplets of 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 the COVID come out of your mouth or of your nose or your eyeballs and then go. Across and catch somebody else, right? If you have got a respirator on, then you can you can sneeze that thing up and you'll be totally fine, right? <laughs> the gloves are important because you don't want people touching the the COVID on I, other people.
1: I, I I I I feel like we have we have now segued from um, incorrect medical advice into borderline dangerous medical advice, and therefore tell me what I just said that is wrong. <laughs> So your opinion is that people who have COVID should just have a respirator on their face and then they can just be fine wandering around.
0: My point is this, is if you're on a flight and somebody gets the COVIDs, right? If you put a proper like Breaking Bad, like, you know, hardcore bondage respirator on somebody's head, right? And some gloves. So the gloves is going to stop them being able to touch their disgusting COVID fingers on other people and... and and you know the chair and everything and if you put the respirator on and it is rated to stop that getting out i would have assumed that that will prevent anyone getting covid because the only way in which you get covid is from people either touching something or somebody breathing on somebody or sneezing on somebody okay. you're not going to get it just sat next to somebody yeah. like it's not going to go through someone's clothes well, so right
1: first of all um uh I feel like this once again proves the old adage that when you assume, you make an ass out of you. And secondly, <laughs> <laughs> tell me where I'm wrong. And secondly, if the
0: respirator is if the respirator is 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 uh, certified that it will fully protect somebody from from an airborne disease, right? Either it getting in or it getting out. That's
1: the caveat. I I, 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 honestly, I, I, honestly thought that my biggest problem with the 10 was it seems terribly dehumanizing to say you're ill. Now you have to sit inside a uh, cloth phone box. <laughs> but instead, Jono's brilliant pattern of making you look like great Cthulhu, but stay in your economy class seat <laughs> seems worse, which I didn't think was but- even possible.
0: But am I wrong? Am I wrong that that would that would be a solution? It would be a better solution. Why would somebody? Why would you put someone in a tent? First of all, that tent won't have a neat fit across the side of the plane, so COVID particles could get out. You're losing multiple seats from it. You have got to erect the tent, and it, you know, erecting a tent in a small space like that, it takes
2: up room on the plane.
0: I think my solution is way better. I, so going I, into the show, I, I was
2: concerned that a couple segments might go a little longer. This was not on the list of segments. <laughs> I thought that was going to happen to
0: Get gas mask versus tent bite.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, okay. I, I, do, I don't know why you're not director of the CDC. I think they're missing an important voice. But,
2: uh, I rarely wish me- this was a video podcast. And look on Axe's <laughs> face for the na- last 30 seconds is one of the first times I have ever wished I uh, uh, could see uh, this. Answer, answer this. Are you telling me if somebody was wearing a certified gas mask
0: that would stop, that's certified to keep the coronavirus in, and gloves, you're telling me that that isn't sufficient to prevent somebody from getting COVID I to lower the no
1: risk? I have no idea whether it's sufficient or not, right? Here's my policy on these things, right? The medical uh, industry doesn't write any JavaScript, and I don't save millions of lives, and that works (laughs) out fine. I
0: I like this policy. (laughs) Yeah, you see, I don't have that policy. (laughs) I should be running the world, and it would be great. It (laughs) it
1: seems. um, Um. should yes. we take um, a little time to uh, revisit a couple of stories that we've spoken about in the past? Sure, yes,
0: let's um, do it. And, but before we do that, can I just make one comment, which is unrelated to any of this? I, just, I think we should thank our good friend and compadre, Marius, for editing the show. He does a great job and pulls all of this stuff together. So just thank you, Marius, from Zoom Media. We don't give him enough thanks. We don't, it seems appropriate. we don't, and he's
1: really cool. Thank you. Um, he is, hey, great. great thank you,
0: Marius. Thank and, you. And he can drive a car now.
1: He can. Yes. You know, a big, uh, a big bad voltage applause. (laughs) Being able to drive a car. Marius at nerdzoom.media. Thank you very much for that. Um, so yes, let's revisit. So, so briefly revisiting previous things that we've talked about. Um, we talked about, uh, Flock or FLOC. Um, we did. This is, um, Google's replacement for third party advertising cookies. Um, and apparently a whole bunch of, amazon owned websites so amazon.com itself but also whole foods and woot and a bunch of others are now blocking flock so you can put a header in the um oh you can put a line a meta element in the header of website to say we don't want visits to this website to participate in flock and people can opt in or opt out at their choice right um and part of the deal with that is that if you if you opt your website out you don't get to see the flock stuff so you are opting okay. out, of you getting access to it, but then the um the browser doesn't get to include the fact they visited your site as part of their flock calculations. You know that's okay. But Amazon have now done it, and I thought that was interesting because that seems like a big move from Amazon's point of view. It's the sort of thing that might kill something like Flock. Early on, if you if you start seeing a lot of other big players pushing back on this, are they doing it because they don't agree with it? Are they doing it just because it's a Google initiative? Are they doing because Google still get all the first party stuff and they don't? What?
2: I think Amazon has bigger ad aspirations than most people realize, and already make yeah. more revenue on ads than most people suspect. So this yeah. is not surprising to me. Yeah,
1: I I, I, think, I, 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 I I agree. What this what this seems to have done is run the flag up a bit on the fact that that's happening. That yeah, I mean, I, I, I think when you say more than most people realize, I think more than I realized until I started until reading about this. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was like, but I thought, are they just doing it out of spite that Google shouldn't have the? You know how like you, like you can't pay for Amazon stuff with PayPal? And there doesn't seem to be a good reason for that. It's just, you know, they're owned by someone else, so we're not going to allow it spite like being in the playground but i assumed that right. might be this and i thought oh, that seems like a bit why would you do this but no they're a they're a big ad player already and they want to be a big ad player and nobody seems to know and the assumption seems to be kind of all oh, google have got ads google and facebook <coughs> them, have got ads entirely sewed up and you kind of forget that amazon's they're going well actually we don't like it that way and we'd like to change that
0: you know um it's interesting you you raise this because since we talked about Flock I've noticed that there's been a lot more pushback on this than I would have expected. There was um a piece on I think it was I think it was Wired if I remember right. There was an article about it's time to ditch Chrome or it's time to get rid of Chrome or whatever. Um and I read something on Forbes as well where basically people were saying, you know, this move by Google is basically a power play to dominate, right? Uh, it's this is this is presented under a um, a banner of privacy, but it's actually it's a power play. Um, so to see Amazon pushing back, and I agree with Jeremy. Like this, there's clearly Amazon are not pushing back for altruistic reasons, right? They're, they're, there's clearly commercial reasons for doing so. But it wouldn't surprise me if this starts a trend of other companies who potentially might start
1: doing this. This is why I thought um, it was interesting. And yeah, uh, and a lot of these things seem <clears> to be specifically anti google pushback so amp is the other one where um yeah. amp has now basically gone away and yeah. no matter how much google said and with some justification there are good technical reasons for this and this is why we do it um if you it seems like if you do a thing which has some good reasons behind it but also entrenches google further and makes it more difficult for others to compete and you're Google and you're doing this. People are now starting to do a kind of, yeah, we don't like this. Stop doing this. Whether it's going to mm. have them change. I mean, and maybe I'm generalizing too far from only two examples, but Flock, I mean, when we, we talked about it in much more detail in the previous show, and you should go back and listen to that if you're interested in the topic. But despite the potentially good reasons, I think the main reason people are pushing back on it is not because of that it's because it looks like a Google power play and arguably is a yeah. Google power play. Completely yeah. apart from whether the technical reasons for it are actually good, some of them are, some of them maybe aren't. But it also further cements Google into position and makes it more difficult for others to compete. And I think people are starting to go, Google, stop doing this sort of thing. Well, I'm, I'm not at all sure want to I want do- Amazon to replace Google in this sort of thing because it works. No. And I think it I'm, seems to on me a
2: lot of people blocking it, like you said. I think WordPress announced that they're going to default to blocking it, and you can opt in. Which yeah. means immediately thirty percent of the web is not partaking, which seems like a part- really. Flocker. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's. It seems to me that the the concept of flock is good, but it should be operated as some kind of consortium where there is more than one company involved, right? There there should be there should be a bunch of players involved in this and defining what it looks like. But Google have just decided to do what the hell they they want to do with this, so. That's
1: what you can do when you own most of the market.
0: Yeah, do you think people will stop using Chrome because of this?
1: I um, I, I don't because I don't know where they're going to go if they do decide to stop using Chrome. Right. Um, because they're not going to go to Firefox, much as I use it and I've really done, I think it's great. Everything they're not going to go there. Um, people who um would be inclined to go to Safari already haven't gone to Chrome and are using Safari on their um, on their MacBooks, but that's you know five percent of people or whatever, so it doesn't really matter. Um yep. everyone on iOS already is using Safari and isn't using Chrome and it doesn't make any difference. Yep. Um, where else is there to go? I mean maybe they're gonna to go to Edge, um maybe they're gonna to go to Brave or whatever. I mean what's interesting there is that um if if Chrome if everyone stopped using chrome i think google would go well okay maybe we'll stop funding chrome right now microsoft could probably carry on in that sort of situation everyone who's building a browser which is essentially a rethemed chrome like brave is and the brave people are going to be spectacularly crossed. and i just phrased it that way but whatever (laughs) um um (laughs) if chrome went away There'd be no Brave. In exactly the same way that um, if Ubuntu went away, all the people who are building, who went 95% of what they do is Ubuntu, would also go away. If Debian went away, maybe Ubuntu would. Um, so it'd be interesting what happens if people really did stop using Chrome. But I can't see it. They're pretty entrenched. Curious why you immediately said people would stop using, wouldn't
2: go to Firefox, but might go to Brave. It seems to me that from a non-technical person branding perspective some people may have heard of firefox i I don't know that that's the case for brave so curious why you immediately said that with such conviction
1: the reason i say it with such conviction is because if anyone felt any interest whatsoever in firefox uh its usage wouldn't be dropping off a cliff the fact the, the fact that people know the name and value the name and it's been around for a long time has not halted one iota the amount that it's dropped off to virtually nothing in the last 10 years. I, I think, if anything, if people have heard of it, they know it as something they don't want, because otherwise they'd at least be vaguely thinking about wanting it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think people think of Firefox as that thing that's not as good as Chrome. <laughs> and arguably, if you know what Flock is, and you're interested in Flock, then you're technical enough to potentially know what Brave is, Is the other potential argument here um it's an uphill battle for google i mean if they've got if they've got amazon and wordpress pulling out and i don't know what proportion of market share mobile safari has but i'm guessing it's pretty big um this is an uphill struggle for google to be able to get any traction with this so
1: well I, i i think that's yeah that's the thing and i mean You've got a bunch of people saying, Ah, but you see, if we push back on this, then what'll happen is we just we don't fix anything. We tried to fix it and you lot throw it back in our faces, which is sort of true. <laughs> but right. also sort of not true. And you don't get to go, well, um, we try to fix a problem by replacing something which makes us better at your expense, and then complain when we don't do it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what an actual answer looks like. Here is the problem. I read, um, I I read quite a disturbing uh, article by Mark Nottingham uh, about where the next, uh the next version of internet standards will come from. And I only read it this morning. And I haven't had time to properly digest it. I was going to put it in the news, um, but his pitch is that um most of the internet standards that we rely on were written in quite an open, collaborative sort of a way. Uh, but now that's not happening at all. The people who are defining standards are half a dozen companies, yeah. and and that's a radical shift because we're um, we're getting to the point where what's gonna get standardised is that sort of thing, and not necessarily. Standardized, as in being written down by the IETF, but becoming de facto standards. It's the you know the Microsoft Word problem that Word documents were the standard thing, and no one could read them properly other than Word, Locket, Kiri, Day, whatever. Yeah. The sorts of things that we used to complain about as Linux users in two thousand and one, um, <laughs> is now kind of the case for a whole bunch of how the internet works, and you know it's more sort of a worrying indicator of what's it going to look like ten years from now. I thought, I'll, yeah. I'll see if I can pick up the things so I add it to the show notes. But yes, sorry, you talk about the next thing while I'll do that. Peloton,
0: apparently, has now introduced a $39.99 monthly subscription fee for its high-end treadmill product line called Tread Plus. This has left many customers surprised and angered considering Tread Plus retails for $3,000 already. The company has cited safety and well-being as a reason for introducing
1: the membership fee. Now, uh, the reason I thought it was interesting is because, John, you brought up the Peloton thing and, yep. uh, and how does this dovetail with your previous opinion? To me, it seems a bit off that you drop three grand on a Treble and then they go, huh, now you have to keep paying to keep it working. <laughs> That's a surprise. So,
0: so my question here is, is that $40 a month subscription
2: required for it to operate?
1: As I understand it, Yes.
2: Uh, so because current- it, it, it always required a subscription unless you wanted to use what they call just run, which is what a yep. treadmill was before 10 years ago. <laughs> you press a button <laughs> right, so and the-, the tread goes. <laughs> After that, uh, it was like a six-year-old got killed. They disabled just run unless you have the subscription because the subscription allows you to lock the whole thing. So you need a pin to even turn it on. Yeah. So you just can- legitimately can't start it without the pin. And that's, they, for whatever reason, locked that behind the subscription.
1: Yeah, so that's exactly the point. So you cannot use it without a subscription, correct. basically. Correct. And the subscription, yeah, and the subscription costs $40. And before, when you bought, I mean, I'm assuming their argument is going to look something like, well, basically everyone was buying the subscription already because they wanted all our brilliant extra features that we demanded, which is exactly, John, what you were talking about with Peloton yeah. before, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, my personal view on this is, You should be able to buy a Peloton or any device and use it as the base of that device. Like with the Tread, you should be able to turn it on and adjust the speed and not have access to classes and whatever else. But you should be able to do that without paying anything.
2: So my guess is, given how they have communicated this, they gave everyone three months. And I know nothing here. This is just speculation based on the articles I've read. They gave everyone three months free when they announced this. I would speculate in the next three months they will roll out a software update that allows you to lock it without a subscription. Yeah, so I'm guessing from an engineering perspective, the easiest way to do that was via the subscription already in the subscription flow. They rolled that out, gave everyone three months, and we'll fix the engineering portion of it in those 90 days, and then you'll be able to just run again. would Would be my assumption. This makes clear, though, to people that bought this device that it is kind of a treadmill as a service potentially and that they are able to lock it in any way they see fit at any time and that's not a peloton thing that's a connected devices thing
1: yeah you are sharecroppers and now you've been taught that see i don't think that's the case at all i mean maybe this is overly cynical but i don't think it is i think what happened was they rolled out with no intention of fixing it and then said well if we get a bunch of press pushback then we'll do exactly what you've just said and they did get a bunch of press pushback but if they hadn't got that if it had been a fast news day the day when this came out and so a bunch of magazines didn't publish it then they've just gone ahead and done it and you'd have had people going well i've been screwed by this but i can't seem to get it in the press i mean
0: again i i i don't know anything about this but if they are requiring you to pay a monthly fee just to use the device that you spent three thousand dollars on they are. if that's the if that's the case my view is this is both stupid and unethical. Yep. Like the fact that they've released this is the worst PR in the world because you're completely fleecing your customers. And it's, it's beyond me how the executive team at Peloton can think that this is a good idea and it's okay. And it's unethical. People have spent $3,000 on something to require them to, I mean, if you, paying for the, the live classes and the video content and stuff like that, no problem. That's fine. This is this is going to have to result in a whole
1: bunch of lawsuits. I'm sure. I mean, this is ridiculous. To be clear, the reason they cited uh, cited safety and well being, as Jeremy says, this thing called Treadlock was they had a bunch of problems where um, uh, people were using turning on the treble and using it in an unauthorized and a child died and there have been lots of people with yeah. broken bones and cuts and grazes and what have you. So they recalled a bunch of their treadmills and then said, we can invent a thing called Treadlock, which basically means you can't turn it on uh, unless you've got the PIN code, which is a right. reasonable way of solving that particular that's, problem. And, that's a great idea. And my television yeah. does that. What that does not require is a permanent connection to the internet locked behind a subscription that costs $40. Exactly.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, that's what, to me, makes it unethical. Padlocks
1: existed is, in ancient Egypt. You do not need an internet yeah. connection to make them work.
0: Le- that's what, what, to me, makes it unethical, is you solve the problem. It's terrible that a kid died, and it's terrible that pe- the, there's been 72 injuries. But, but bake it into the device. Don't charge a fee for this. I cannot believe that Peloton have done this. This is absolutely insane to me. <laughs> like,
1: and, uh, you know, ah, wow. Okay. Yeah. The greatest trick, bummer. The greatest trick I mean, the devil ever pulled was convincing a bunch of company executives that it was okay to say, now you have to pay for the subscriptions to everything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, and like I say, like, look, if you want to charge a subscription, like, if you want to pay a subscription to have somebody in New York screaming at you to believe in yourself and pedal harder, no problem,
1: (laughs) right? Wow. (laughs) We are here to pop that bubble for you, Peloton subscribers. You've got one of these things. Yeah.
0: And Eric and I love our Peloton. We got a bike. You don't have a tread, though, right? You have the bike. We have a bike. We don't have the tread. And from what I understand, the tread is a great product and all the rest i think Pelta make great gear but this is fleecing their customers like this is there's no other way about it in my personal opinion this is fleecing their customers and this is going to bite them in the ass i suspect um so anyway on that breezy fucking bombshell shall we
1: wrap (laughs) the show up cheery news but yeah so so yeah i mean it would be nice to revisit some of um some of the things that we've spoken about in the past and say hey guess what everything's just great now but yeah (laughs) I I don't know if that's how um, please uh, life is great listeners listeners, if you can think of things that we've uh, talked about in the past and they've turned out to be better than we predicted I'd be interested in hearing that that would be great thanks (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to do a whole
0: show on just really breezy happy kitten related stories you know I don't know (laughs) do you remember that's life (laughs) Ack?
1: oh wow yeah okay we'll get Esther to present nobody
2: here. two people in the world are going to get this reference and they're on this podcast uh, <laughs> alright on that note well, thanks, thanks for listening
0: thank you for listening everybody um, see you in the community see you next time